Life works the way God intends when we put Him first in every area of our lives. To help us live that life, God gave us the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments are principles to live by, principles that bring our relationship to God and each other closer together. They're a way to understand how God wants us to live. These commandments help us love God and love others. The fifth commandment tells us to honor our parents. We have to make the choice whether to live under our parents' authority or not. Our attitudes and actions reflect our love for them and their love for us. And so God says, honor your father and mother. Well, it's so good to be back with you guys this weekend. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I see the commercials that say we are in this together and we are all in this together, what we're going through with this coronavirus. But I do believe as a church that we're better when we're able to get together. And I know I miss you. I think this one is one of those weeks where, as I was talking to people, they were, they were kind of running out of things to do. They've done the projects around the house. Uh, they're, they're trying to be creative and everybody's getting just a little bit bored. In fact, I told Laura the other night we were going to bed, I said, I am so bored right now, and if you've been around Hope for a while, you know how I feel about the University of North Carolina, I'm a Duke fan, you know how I feel about cats, you know how I feel about mushrooms, I shared that with you last weekend. I told Laura, I am so bored right now, if I was invited, if I had the opportunity, I would go to a University of North Carolina basketball game, I would hold a cat on my lap, and I would actually just eat mushrooms. That's how bored I am, but I know this is going to pass, I know we're going to come out the other side, and I know that we're going to be back together, worshiping together soon. But I'm glad you're with us this weekend. By the way, thank you. Last weekend, as we celebrated Easter here at Hope, over 53,000 people joined us online to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It blew our mind. The gospel was shared. I believe that God is going to use it in some amazing ways. And maybe that was your first time with us at Hope, and you've come back this week to see what we're like, you know, during a normal week. Well, we are in a series that we're calling 10. It's a series that's based on the Ten Commandments, and we're learning that this series isn't just about, you know, these rules that God gave us to obey. We're discovering that there are actually relationship principles behind each one of these commandments that will allow us to go deeper in our relationship with God and deeper in our relationship with one another. So this weekend, we've come to the fifth commandment, and we're going to see that the principle behind this commandment is the principle of honor. By the way, let me just say this about the Ten Commandments. When you get to the fifth commandment, this is actually a transitional commandment. And what I mean by that is this. The first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. But then the last six commandments, they have to do with our relationships with each other. They have to do with more of the ethical aspects of life. And when God got to this fifth commandment, he could have chosen a number of relationships that we're involved in to help us see the principle of honor, to highlight this principle of honor. For example, he could have used a boss-employee relationship. He could have used a teacher-student relationship. He could have used the relationship between a high-ranking military commander and, say, maybe a foot soldier. But God chose to highlight it by talking about the parent-child relationship. And I want you to notice what he said in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. He said, honor your father and mother. 
Now, let me just ask you a question. If you've ever read the Ten Commandments, why in the world would God put this, this commandment about honoring your parents in the top ten most important things for us to know? I mean, it doesn't seem to fit in with don't murder, don't covet, don't commit adultery, don't lie, don't steal. He says, I want you to honor your parents. Why would it be one of the Ten Commandments? I think it's because God understood that this principle of honoring people in authority, the consequences of not doing that, they become more severe as you get older. And so he's like, let's start where you start. Let's start in the home. Let's start with your family. Learn to honor your parents. It's a very, very important principle. In fact, it impacts and affects every area of our life because let's be honest, we all know adults. Maybe you live with an adult like this and they kind of live by this philosophy. You know what? Nobody's gonna tell me what to do. You ever had somebody say that? You know, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Well, we actually have words to describe people like that, such as unemployed. That would be a word that would describe someone like that. Or maybe even an inmate. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. And it's because they didn't learn this principle of honor, living under the authority that God places in our lives. So understand what God is giving us. It's good for us. He's teaching us that if we want to live a happy life, if we want to live a fulfilling life, we have to understand this principle of honor. So let's look at the commandment again, Exodus 20, verse 12, honor your father and your mother. Now, if you're really going to understand this commandment, we have to understand what the word honor means. And if you ask a lot of people what it means, they would say, well, the word honor means respect. And that's kind of right. You're moving in the right direction, but it's not exactly right. And I think people say that because in our, uh, in our culture, in our society, often we, we use these words interchangeably. We, we talk about honor, and sometimes we think it's the same as respect, but there's actually a difference. In fact, this word honor, and keep in mind the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, this word honor in Hebrew is actually a much stronger word than the word respect. For example, to respect your parents means that you hold them in high esteem. But if I'm going to honor my parents, that's going to be reflected by how I have my behavior toward my parents, my actions, my attitudes toward my parents. In other words, my attitudes and my actions should reflect how seriously I take this fifth commandment, how seriously I want to obey this commandment of honoring my parents. And so here's the question we have to work through this weekend. Are you honoring your parents? And right up front, to be honest with you, this commandment assumes a lot. It assumes, first of all, that you actually know who your parents are, but it also assumes that you had parents that were actually honorable. And some of you watching right now, that's not the case. But I want you to understand, God understands that. God understands that some of you have been hurt by your parents. Some of you have been abused by your parents. Some of you have been taken advantage of by your parents. In fact, just the mention of your mom or just the mention of your dad, it, it just stirs up all kinds of negative emotions and all kinds of anxiety. And, and as we get to this fifth commandment, this is what you're thinking. Mike, how in the world do I honor a parent who wasn't very honorable? Or maybe you're at the other end of a spectrum. Maybe you know that you were a parent and you were not a parent worth honoring. What do you do in a situation like that? Watch this little clip. There I was, divorced again, second time, and uh, did some serious counseling and struggling through um, the guilt, the shame that all of my choices in my first marriage caused the pain of my children in my second marriage and 
um, the counselor said to me, you need to tell your children. And right now you see that and you're thinking, is that it? I mean, you have questions like, who is that? Whose mom is that? And what does she do? What is it that she needs to tell her children? And how is that story possibly going to end? Well, this is what we call a cliffhanger, right? And I'm going to share the rest of that story with you at the end of my talk this weekend. But this is what I want you to know going into this. I want you to stay with us. Don't click off. Don't turn it off just because you had parents who weren't very honorable because even if you were in that situation, even if you were a parent and you weren't very honorable, when we get to the end of this time together, you're going to know how you can find healing, how you can f move forward, how you can move brightly into the future, even though if you hadn't got it right in the past, even if your parents weren't very honorable. But before we do that, I want to focus on the positive. I want to talk about some benefits of honoring our parents. Let me just give you the first one. The first one is longevity. It's actually a promise. This is what it says in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. In other words, if you honor your parents, you are going to live longer. There's the promise of longevity. The second benefit is stability. And I want to show you how this benefit of stability ties into the benefit of longevity. Deuteronomy chapter 5 verse 16 and you'll remember that the Ten Commandments if you've been with us since the beginning of the series the Ten Commandments were actually given twice by Moses one time in Exodus chapter 20 and then 40 years later after they wandered in the wilderness the Hebrew people they've come back to the Kadesh Barnea area they're at the Jordan River they're getting ready to go into the promised land they didn't get in a few years ago because they didn't trust that God was going to give them the land. Now they're back. Now they're ready to go in. But before they go into the land, Moses says, let me remind you of God's expectations. And he repeats the Ten Commandments. But this is what he says in Deuteronomy, which means second law. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 16. Moses says, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you. So, in other words, there's a reason, so that you may live long and that it may go well with you. In other words, Moses says this, if you honor your father and your mother, first of all, you're going to live longer, but second, things are going to go well for you in your life. In other words, you're going to live a more stable life. There's going to be stability. And I don't, I don't mean to come across as sarcastic, but who wants to live a long, long life if things aren't going well? By the way, have you ever noticed that you can have a home, you can have a mother, a father, you can have two children, these children grow up with the same parents. They grow up with the same instruction. They grow up with the same rules. They grow up with the same boundaries. One of those children will grow up and life will go well. The other child will grow up and their life will be an absolute train wreck. Have you ever wondered why that happens? I can promise you this. It's because that child whose life was a train wreck, that child probably didn't learn to honor his or her parents. Let me show you some verses that back this up. And, and I know these are verses that are thrown around a lot when it comes to politics and people quote them online. This has nothing to do with politics, but I want to set something up that I'm going to show you from the life of Jesus. Paul wrote a letter to the Christians in Rome. Later on, it became the book of Romans. It's now in our Bible. Romans chapter 13, verse 1. This is what Paul wrote. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. Now you remember I said at the beginning, one of the reasons that we have to learn to honor our parents is because our entire life, we are gonna have people who, in our, who are in authority over us. 
there are always going to be people who can tell us what to do. I mean, you can be the CEO of a company, but I guarantee you, you have a board of directors. I have a board of elders, and so I report to them. But there's always someone in our life that's going to be in authority over us. So Paul writes in Romans chapter 13, verse 1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities. What I want you to notice is that word subject. And let me just say this. A lot of Greek words, the New Testament was written in Greek, a lot of Greek words come from either a military background or a sporting background. This word subject is from a military background, and it actually means this, to submit to without any question. To submit to without any question. Why would that be so important in the military? Well, it's because if you're, if you're in the military, not only your life, but the life of others that you're serving with it may depend on how well you follow rules, how well you submit to the chain of command. And so God says, we are to submit to the authority that he establishes over us. It could be governing authorities, but it would include your parents, it would include teachers, it would include law enforcement. And in fact, the only exception I can find not submitting to the government or to those that are in authority over us is if they ever ask us to do something that doesn't line up with God's word, that conflicts with God's word. I'll, I'll show you a good example. Uh, Acts chapter 5, Peter and John, two of the original disciples, and we saw last week, if you tuned in for Easter, that after the resurrection, how these disciples, they just scattered, they, they ran for their lives, they were afraid that they would be next to end up on a cross. But then they ended up giving their lives after they saw Jesus, after the resurrection, they gave their lives, not for what they believed, but what they had seen and what they had experienced with Jesus. So think about this. Jesus dies, he's in the grave for three days. He comes out of the grave and he stays on the earth for 40 days before he ascends to heaven. During that 40 day period of time, James and John and the other disciples, they get to hang out with Jesus and eat with Jesus, all kinds of cool things. Then Jesus goes to heaven they get the Holy Spirit, the disciples do in Acts chapter 2, and they cannot stop talking about Jesus, how he rose from the dead. And so when you get to Acts chapter 5, these guys, because they won't stop talking about it, it's causing all kinds of commotion. They're constantly getting thrown into jail, being beaten, and they'll be brought before the authorities and say, we're going to let you out, we're not going to beat you anymore, but you got to stop talking about Jesus rising from the dead. And if you go back and read Acts chapter 5, this is how Peter and James respond. They said, you can do whatever you want to do to us, but we can't stop talking about Jesus. We can't stop sharing the gospel. And so understand, we are to obey the authorities over us unless it contradicts something that God has told us in his word. In fact, here's a couple of principles you can live by. We are to obey God's word always. We're to obey the authorities over us, usually. Now, let's go back to Romans chapter 13. Again, this isn't about politics, so don't email me, okay? I want to set something up. Romans chapter 13, verse 1, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority, and I think that we would say that would include our parents, no authority except that which God has established. And in case we didn't get it the first time, he says it again. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Now, let me just tell you this. When Paul wrote this letter to Rome, the emperor over Rome was Nero. And Nero, for entertainment, would literally burn Christians at the stake. But this is what Paul was saying. I'm not a fan of Nero, and I didn't vote for Nero, and I would never vote for Nero again. 
But for some reason, God has established him in that position. There's something that God wants to accomplish through Nero. And if you, dis- if you, if you investigate church history, you'll discover that it was during this persecution that people began to scatter all over Europe, all over the world, taking with them the message of Jesus Christ, taking with them the gospel. So he says, the authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, look at this. Whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Now, here's the key phrase I wanted to get to. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Now, with that as a background, I want to show you something from the life of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 15. A very familiar verse that says, Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor of God in man. Very familiar, you've probably heard that verse before, but let me show you the verse that precedes it. So go back to Luke chapter 2, verse 51. Then he, that's a reference to Jesus, went down to Nazareth with them, with his parents, and was obedient to them. Now the reason I show you Romans chapter 13 and this story in Luke chapter 2 is because in Luke chapter 2, this word, this Greek word that's translated obedient is the exact same word that Paul uses that's translated subject in Romans chapter 13, verse 1. So let me ask you a question. If if Jesus was obedient, if Jesus was subject to his human parents and he's the son of God, don't you think maybe it's possible that we should be obedient, we should be subject to our parents here on earth? Again, remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 13, verse 2. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. And so I think this is the principle here. If you honor your father and your mother, if you begin to understand this principle of honor, things are going to go well for you. You are going, you're not going to bring judgment on yourself. Your life is not going to end up a train wreck because you've understood this principle of living over the authority that God has established. So a couple of benefits, there's gonna be longevity, you're gonna live a longer life, you're gonna have a more stable life. Here's the third one, sensibility. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter six, verse one, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. In other words, it's just common sense. Deep down inside, you know it's the right thing to do. By the way, you'll notice it says honoring in the Old Testament, obeying in the New Testament. What's the difference? I'll tell you. You obey your parents while you're living in the home with them, while you're living under their roof. I can promise you, if you've raised teenagers, you've all had that conversation where your teenagers wanted to do something, and as a parent, you were saying no. And they wanted to defy you and do it anyway, and you probably responded something like the way I responded. If you want to do those kinds of things, you need to move out. You need to be able to support yourself. But as long as you're living under my roof, as long as I'm supporting you and paying for you and paying your expenses, you're going to do what I say. So you obey your parents when you're living in the home, but when you grow up and you leave, you begin to honor your parents. So there's longevity, there's stability, there's sensibility, and then here's the best benefit, there's tranquility. Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. In other words, when you obey your parents, when you honor your parents, there's going to be this sense of peace, this sense of tranquility, because you know that you're living life the way God instructed you to live life. At Hope, we call it living within the circle of blessability. 
In other words, within this circle are God's principles, his laws, his precepts, his truths. And God wants us to bring our lives into alignment with his principles, his precepts, his truth, his laws. And when we live within that circle, we've positioned ourselves to be blessed by God. But here's the cool part. When you are being obedient to God, even when you go through tough times, you will know that it's not a result of your disobedience. You will understand God has me in this situation for a reason, and there's something he's going to use this for. Somehow he's going to teach me something. Somehow he's going to use this to change my life. That's tranquility. So there's longevity, there's stability, there's sensibility, tranquility, all great benefits of obeying this fifth commandment. So let's, let's ask a very, very practical question. How do you actually honor your parents? What would that look like? Let me give you just some common, uh, simple suggestions. Here's the first one. You honor your parents by cooperating with them. Let me put it another way. You honor your parents by choosing to live under your parents' authority. In other words, if your parents give you a curfew, you honor that curfew. If they tell you that your room's a mess and you need to clean your room, you clean your room. If they pick up that you're hanging out with someone that could have a negative influence on you and they ask you not to do that, you stop doing that. If your grades aren't great in school and they're worried about you getting into a good college or a good university and they said, I need you to buckle down and focus on your education, you buckle down and you focus on your education. After all, we just saw in Romans chapter 13, your parents, whether you like it or not, your parents were placed in your life by God himself. God has a chain of command. God has an organizational flow chart, and he's going to put people in your life in authority over you to mold you, to shape you into the person that he wants you to become. See, God put your parents in your life for a reason. He put your boss in your life for a reason. He put that manager you have to report to in your life for a reason. He put those teachers and coaches in your life for a reason. And so it's always better to discover what God's chain of command is, is, is in your life, and then you live under that chain of command. Because see, when you learn to live under God's chain of command, the promise is life is just gonna go better. Things will go well with you. So we honor our parents because of who they are in God's chain of command. Second, you honor your parents by valuing them. You value them. Think of life this way. When we are born, we are all born dependent on our parents. We are dependent on our parents to feed us, to clothe us, to shelter us. We're dependent. But eventually, we grow up and we mature and we become independent from our parents. I often smile when young parents have younger children and, and they still cuddle with them and they still obey them and do everything they say. And often, especially the moms, they'll say, I get a little teary, I get a little misty when I think that one day they're gonna grow up and they're gonna leave home. And so when I talk to them and they share things like that with me, often I will say, you know what? God, God knew that was coming, so he created this thing called 17. When they turn 17, trust me, you will be ready for them to move out. You will be ready for them to become independent because God created us eventually to become independent of our parents. By the way, let me just say this. This is happening later and later in life. I remember when I was 18 and I went off to college, this, this, was, this, was, this was basically the conversation we had. Bye. Because this is what my parents were telling me. You're not coming back. You got four years to get an education 
to find a job. If that doesn't work out, there's always the military. But you're not coming back home. You are independent. You are on your own. That's not really the case. In fact, people are getting older and older in life before they actually become independent from their parents. I just recently read a survey that in 2000, the year 2000, 11% of adults from the age of 25 to 34 lived at home with their parents. That was in the year 2000. And in 2017, that number had doubled. There's now over 22% of adults between the ages of 25 and 34 still living at home, eating your mom and dad's pizza and playing your mom and dad's video games. And your parents, they want their pizza and their video games back. So you've got to become independent at some point. But we begin dependent, we get independent, and then the years go by, and this is what happens. Our parents become dependent on us. But this is what I want you to understand. We're to honor our parents. We're to value our parents at every stage. And I'll let you in on a secret. Whether you are dependent on your parents, or you have grown up and you're independent from your parents, or you're completing that cycle and now your parents are dependent on you, here's an incredible insight. I want you, I want you to get this. Your parents are smarter than you are regardless of where you are in that cycle your parents are smarter than you are value them and I know what some of you are thinking you're thinking that just because you understand technology better than your parents do that you're actually smarter than I'm telling you your parents have experienced life on the rugged plains of reality they know more than you know they are smarter than you they are wiser than you and i get it all of us who are adults we remember what it was like to be a teenager we also at that time in our life we thought our parents were brain dead i think it's just a part of being young but as you grow up as you begin to mature as you get a different perspective this is what you realize one day my parents are smart my parents are wise. Well, let me tell you why you get wiser as you get older. If you're honest, it's because you made a lot of mistakes. See, you paid the stupid tax. And so now when you see children coming along after you and your parents, if, for example, they want to give you advice, they're not trying to control you. They're not trying to make you like them. What they're saying is, without really saying it, is I've been there. I've made the wrong decision, and I paid put the price. So they're trying to share that wisdom, that knowledge with you. Value that experience. Learn to defer to them. I'm telling you, your life will be better. And here's the third. You honor your parents by appreciating them. It's interesting. USA Today did an article, and I took a little part of it. This is what it said. More than a third of elderly parents say their grown children have failed to help them in a time of need in the past five years. But when asked the question, only 16% of adult children agreed. And what the article is saying is that as adult children, we're dropping the ball when it comes to honoring our parents. So how can we show our parents that we appreciate them, that we honor them? Let me just give you some practical suggestions. First of all, make sure that their needs are met. And it's probably not going to be shelter. It could be. It's probably not going to be clothing. It's probably not going to be food. But you know, as our parents get older, they may need you to go to the doctor with them. Because I've learned with my parents, my dad is 92, my mom is 89. Sometimes they don't exactly remember the doctor's instructions, how to follow through on what they've learned. So maybe you have to go to the doctor with them. Maybe you have to begin to help them a little bit with their finances because there are people who will take advantage of them. You may even be called to have them move in with you. 
But see, this is what we do. This is what we're called to do. We make sure that their needs are being met. Here's another thing you can do. Make sure that you include your parents as they get older. Make sure you continue to include them in special times. Things like birthdays, celebrating their anniversaries, uh, even vacations. You know, when I was growing up, we grew up in Durham, North Carolina, dirt poor. Uh, The only vacation I can remember we ever went on uh, is if we went to visit an aunt and uncle and my cousins and ate off of them and lived in their house for a few days, except one time. One time we got up at five o'clock in the morning and we made the three to four hour drive in our 64 Impala station wagon, I'll never forget it, from Durham, North Carolina to Blowing Rock, where we went to Tweetsie, which I tell you is so much better than Disney World, right? We went to Tweetsie, we spent the day at Tweetsie Railroad, and then that evening we drove back home. That's the closest we ever came to a vacation. So as we have gotten older, my parents haven't seen any of the world like I've had the opportunity to see the world. And so now that we're adults, we, my dad served at the end of World War II in the Air Force, but he had never been to Washington, D.C. So one year, right after Easter, Laura and I, we took her parents and my parents to Washington, D.C. so they could experience that. One time, we, my sister and her husband, along with me and Laura, we, we took them to New York. They had never been to New York City. They saw the Empire State Building, the Statue of Liberty. Uh, we're big Duke basketball fans, and Duke was playing St. John's in Madison Square Garden. We took them to the game. We had a great time with them. Later on, we took them to Charleston. We, it was kind of their Mother's Day and Father's Day present. And we rode the horse and buggies, and we went to the plantations. But I'm telling you, we had heard stories. My parents told stories, and we built memories. It was absolutely incredible. So make sure that you keep them included in your life. Here's another one. Give them gifts. One of my favorite stories, uh, and Laura told me not to share this, so hopefully she's not watching at home. But uh, years ago, I think my mom was 78 years old. And again, we, we grew up pretty simple people. And so every year at Christmas, when we would ask my mom what she wanted for Christmas, uh, we would give, she would always say, underwear. And that just kind of gets to be odd. You know, kids trying to give their mom underwear. So one year, uh, I'm one of four kids. Uh, I got us all together, and I got all the grandkids and the great-grandkids, and I said, this is what we're going to do. We're all going to buy my mom underwear, not just any underwear. We're going to buy my mom thongs. So we went out and we started shopping. We found every animal print of thong you could find. Uh, Thongs with feathers on them, thongs with bells on them, thongs with little thumb cuffs on them. And we gave them to my, it was like the thong, the thong, thong, thong Christmas. We never got over that. And we we disguised the packages. We weighted them. Some were big, some were small. But everything she opened was a thong. We still talk about, we still laugh about that to this day. Now you may not want to be that extreme, but how about a card? Uh, How about a letter? See, Uh, how about a picture? Uh, my dad's 92nd birthday is this weekend, and so we, we decided to get the cars together. Uh, he lives in a little retirement village, and we're going to drive by with the posters and the balloons. But you've got to celebrate these things. You've got to give them those kinds of gifts. It speaks volume, volumes to them. It's just part of appreciating your parents. Now, why is this so important? It's important because I'm telling you, one day, one day, every one of us, we're going to get that dreaded phone call. And the voice on the other end is going to say something like, it's your mom or it's your dad, and you're going to know what's coming. And I'm telling you, at that moment, you're either going to hang your head in shame because you chose not to obey this fifth commandment, or you're going to be able to hold your head up high knowing that you loved and you honored your parents. And I'm telling you, if your parents are still with you, it is never, ever too late to up your game. 
Now, I know what some of you are thinking right now. You're thinking, but Mike, what if you had bad parents? In other words, how do you honor dishonorable people? I've done a lot of counseling over the years, and I've had people in my office saying, Mike, I don't understand. Why did God put me in that home? Or, or why did God put me in that family? And maybe as you're watching, that describes you. Maybe you, you've thought the same question. Maybe, maybe you had a horrible childhood because you had horrible parents. So how in the world do you obey this fifth commandment and honor your parents? How can you even do that? Well, I'm going to give you the answer. And you're going to have to decide what you want to do with it. But you have to forgive them. No matter how bad they were, no matter the mistakes, you, you realize they may have been damaged people. They were fallible people. They made huge mistakes. But you have to forgive them. Let me tell you what the Bible says about forgiveness. The Bible says that this word forgive means this, to send away, to be done with. Isn't that a great word? When you forgive someone, you send it away. You say, I'm done with it. And I would just say to you, if you're holding on to anger, if you're holding on to forgiveness, if you're holding on to resentment and bitterness toward your parents because of the way they raised you or something that happened in your past, my advice to you from a biblical perspective would be, let it go. Just send it away. And I know what some of you are thinking. You're thinking right now, well, Mike, I'm sure if I could sit down with you and tell you my story, you would tell me that I'm the exception, see? But that's not what I would tell you. And you would say, well, Mike, you don't know what I've been through and you don't know what I've experienced. You don't know the abuse and the hurt and the verbal abuse and the emotional abuse and all kinds of abuse. And that's probably true. My parents never, ever abused me in any way. But I'll tell you this, I'm human. And I've been in a lot of relationships. And I've been in relationships where I've been hurt. And I've been in relationships where I've been betrayed and I've been in relationships where I've been abused. I've been in relationships where I've given people 100% of my trust and they stabbed me in the back. So I can just tell you, not as a pastor, but just as a human being, I know what it's like to carry around all of that anger, all of that hurt, all of that bitterness, all of that resentment, and all of that hate. I'll never forget one time I was actually sitting in my office <laughs> working on a message on the topic of forgiveness and I felt as if God communicated with my spirit. What a hypocrite. And it's because something had happened in my life, someone that was very, 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 very close to me. And they hurt me in a way. Have you ever been hurt in such a way that you weren't just hurt emotionally, that even inside, physically, you felt bruised? It, it was that kind of hurt. I didn't even know that kind of hurt was possible. And I held on to it. Just held on to it. You know why you hold on to it, by the way? See, there's something inside of us that says, you took something from me. When someone hurts us, they've taken something from us. You know, maybe if it was your parent, you felt like they took away your innocence or they, they took away your opportunity to have an incredible, joyful, happy childhood. Maybe if you've been married and your spouse left you and left you behind, they took away your opportunity to experience the perfect marriage that you had always dreamed about. But they took something from us. And that's why we say things like, you owe me, you owe me. And Jesus addressed this by saying, when you find yourself in that situation, the only way you can forgive is to cancel the debt. 
You say, they don't know me. So I'm sitting in my office, and I'm, I'm working on this message on forgiveness, and God's like, wow, you're such a hypocrite. Look at what you're still holding on to. And I felt like God was saying to me, and what could that person possibly do to erase it? What could they possibly do to pay you back? What could they possibly do to maybe somehow undo all the hurt and the pain that they've caused? And I sat there and I thought, you know what? There's absolutely nothing they could do. There's nothing they could do. And my next thought is then why am I holding on to it? And so I remember sitting in my office and deciding, because again, it's a decision, it's not an emotion. I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna send it away, I'm gonna cancel the debt, and I'm gonna forgive this individual. And it wasn't easy. It wasn't like those emotions or feelings never came back, but I would go back to that moment sitting at my desk in my office and say, oh yeah, I distinctly remember forgiving that. And when someone would mention their name and those emotions would start to boil up, I'd have to go back and say, oh yeah, I made that decision. I distinctly remember forgiving that. And over time, God began to take it away. Time really does heal wounds, but I'll tell you, as a result of my decision to forgive, see, I can sit here and talk to you this weekend a free man. I'm not in bondage to that person. I'm not chained to the past. See, you know this. Forgiveness isn't for the person that hurt you. If you decide, you know, you're thinking, I gotta gotta forgive my parents. I feel like I'm letting them off the hook, right? They're they're, They're getting away with what they did. No, no, no. Forgiveness isn't for your parents. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness just simply allows you to cut the chain to the past. It it allows you to move past all your anger and hurt and hate and bitterness that eventually will destroy you. Not only that, you will carry that with you into every relationship, and it will destroy that relationship too. And God knows that. He made us. He created us. He knows us so well. He says, you must forgive. You have to forgive. Not for their sake, you forgive for your sake. And when you forgive, you'll be free. Remember the little video I showed you earlier? Let me show you the whole story. Watch this. So I was born in a little town in Indiana and I grew up in a Christian house. We were always at church whenever it was open, but it was also a very broken home. Um, I've had two stepdads. Uh, When I was five, my mom and dad got divorced. So one of the most vivid memories I have, I was five, and it was the day that my dad, we found out my dad was moving out, was leaving. And my memory is of me laying on my back, kicking the door and crying and just um, confused and not understanding why my dad would leave. And in the years to come, uh, we had alcoholism, sexual abuse, verbal abuse happening in our home. Stepdad ended up going to prison for abusing my older sister. For several years, I was just the man of the house. I was, my mom was a single mom, doing the best that she could. We lost our house, we lost our vehicles. Uh, We're living on food stamps and welfare in a mobile home. So through all this, I maintained a really good relationship with my dad, always loved my dad. We, We had a great time, we're a lot alike. But in the back of my mind, subconsciously, I think he always took the blame for all of this because of my memory of of him physically leaving. Um, 
And at that point, all I understood was they just couldn't get along, and that was that's hard to understand. And with everything that happened with my stepdad, I knew that you know life could have been way different if my mom and dad had stayed together. Um, so much pain could have been avoided. So when I was about 18 or 19, my mom came to me and uh, she handed me a letter and said, I wrote this letter when you were five, the day that your dad and I got divorced. Dear Mandy, Aaron, and Dave, today your daddy and I attended our divorce hearing in court and the dissolution of our marriage is now final. It's been a very difficult- It basically is a letter that asked for forgiveness, that told us that she loved us so much and that she believed God was gonna work through this, this story. And so I finished the letter and it was, it was, it was kind of emotional, but it was very much things that she had been saying to me for my whole life. And, but then she looked at me and she said, I need to tell you the rest of the story now. And so she then proceeded to tell me that the reason my dad left was that she had been uh, unfaithful to him. She had had an affair. And no matter how much he asked her to quit the affair and he tried to work to, to keep their marriage together, she, uh, she decided she wanted out of the marriage and to pursue that relationship with uh, the guy that ended up being my first stepdad. I was blown away that my dad had, had never said anything or never used that, you know. Um, my dad honored, you know, my mom even in his heartbreak and in their, in their divorce. Uh, by allowing her, you know, time to tell us that in her own way and uh, to share the truth, which I'm sure wasn't easy. I know it wasn't easy, um, but I looked at my dad after, after learning the truth, I looked at my dad in a whole different way, um, knowing that that was the decision that he was forced to make. Because of the way that my mom and dad raised us, uh, believing that God was a part of everything and that he calls us to forgive, he calls us to love one another um, no matter what. That when all of this came out and all of the, the hurt along the way, uh, there was no doubt in my mind that, that God could work through it, that God could redeem it, that his grace was enough and that forgiveness was, was key. My mom has always been like my spiritual mentor and so I think we always, growing up, she was, you know, she was the head of our household for many years. And I've always looked up to her. And anytime I've had a spiritual battle or a huge decision, I've always gone to my mom and wanted her counsel. I would say despite her, her past sins and I'm sure her current sins, she's one of the most righteous and like faithful followers of Christ that I've ever witnessed. She's my, one of my heroes spiritually. And there have been moments in my life where I was struggling, that I, I was fighting God. And the words of my mom have always echoed in my mind. She, she would always say, you don't do it because you want to. You do it because you know it's what God wants you to do. It's the right thing. And when you make that decision, no matter how hard it is, to do what's right instead of what you feel like you want to do or what, what you want, then it's, I believe that even when you make mistakes, God can, can redeem you on the other side of that. I mean, I still look up to my mom and my dad, and that never changed even knowing the truth of the past. Isn't that an incredible story? I mean, isn't there something inside of us we just, we love those stories of redemption. So let me just wrap it up by having you think about your life this way. 
Think of it this way. It, 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 think of your mind. In your mind, there's this, this long hallway, this gallery of pictures, and, and they're all hung there in high definitions, and some of those pictures would include your relationship with your parents. And some of those pictures, they're hurtful. And some of those pictures, they're violent. And some of those pictures are even obscene. They have no business being in that gallery, hanging in that hallway of your mind. I would say this is maybe what God is saying to you this weekend. Go back to that gallery. Walk down that hallway. Take down those pictures. Look at them one last time. And then you destroy them. And you destroy them by forgiving the person that's in that frame. You let it go. You send it away. You cancel the debt. And anytime those old memories start to come back to your mind, you say, you don't owe me. You don't owe me. You don't owe me. You don't owe me. Because I promise you, until you do that, those pictures will haunt you. And they'll drain your energy. And they're going to steal all your joy. They're going to steal all of your freedom. In fact, when we finish this time together, you may want to write a letter, send an email, make a phone call that you just say, Dad, I forgive you. Mom, I forgive you. If you're a parent that needs to find forgiveness, you may express your desire to be forgiven. I'm telling you, those words can change your life. Now, let me just say this. Your relationship may never be restored, but I promise this, once you do it, you'll be free. You'll be free. And guess what? You have no idea what God will do. God may decide to breathe new life into a relationship that you are 100% certain was dead. You know, we've been singing this weekend and last weekend that the God we worship, <laughs> he turns graves into gardens. You have no idea what God may do if you will take the initiative and make the first move. If you'll just decide, I'm going to take the high road and I'm going to forgive. Or maybe as a parent, I'm going to, I'm going to ask forgiveness. Well, let me just say this. Whatever God does or doesn't do, you're going to be free. It's like Aaron said in his story. You do the right thing because it's just the right thing to do. Set it free. Let it go. See what God does.